Problem Player Doesn't Like Guns in D&D Hi everyone, All Things D&D is back with two stories about DMs. Having players waltz through your encounters that you thought would be challenging can be a bit frustrating. Having encounters that are literally impossible to beat unless the DM allows the players to win is even more frustrating. Listen to how these two different DMs handle encounters, and how their players react. So this is a story about how me using a musket in D&D apparently made one of the other players angry. Cast, DM, my new friend I met a few weeks ago. I don't know how much of an experienced DM he is, but he DM'd a few sessions already. Druid, Fighter, Warlock, and Cleric. Players that are not that important for this story. Bob, Elf Ranger, the problem player. Me, Human Gunslinger. Before I start, I have to explain that I used a homebrew class with homebrew backstory. We of course tried to make it balanced so my character won't be overpowered. We also made some changes to how muskets work, and we expanded its firing range from 40 to 120, which is just a bad joke, to 120 to 480. We were thinking about changing the damage, since muskets use D12, and most heavy range weapons use D10, but we decided that having reload mechanic, misfire mechanic, and being loud as heck will compensate for these two damage points. We also raised misfire from 2 to 3, so there was a greater chance for the weapon to break. DM also made some lore changes for the muskets. In his world there was no gunpowder. Instead of that, people were using a crystal powder from magic crystals. Works in a similar way, but instead of lighting it on fire, you just had to use some force to make it explode. And instead of making a lot of smoke when you shot, it emitted a quick flash of blue light. Our characters started at level 3, so I already picked a marksman for my class. We also decided that I won't be trying to make or obtain any modern guns, and I will stick with my musket. The DM promised since my character is very attached to his weapon, and won't swap it with anything, he'll figure out another way for me to get stronger in fights as the story progresses. So instead of picking up loot like weapons with plus one or plus two bonuses, I'll be upgrading my own weapon. First session. Our story started in a small mountain village. Our party meets at the local inn. We sat down at the table, ate and talked a bit. We agreed that we had a common goal that was getting to the other side of the mountains, so we should stick together. At the same time, a group of bandits suddenly came to the village. They rode into the village on horses, and immediately demanded money and food from farmers and villagers. The innkeeper explained to us that these bandits from time to time come to this and other villages to collect payment for security, and asked us to leave before we get noticed. However, most of our characters were good or lawful, so that was not an option. We decided that I and the ranger would take a position on the roof of the house next to the inn, and the rest of the party would go outside to confront the bandits. A short conversation ensued between the bandits and the party, which gave us time to take a position. We decided to start the fight with quick shots from the roof as a surprise round. I targeted the bandit who was talking to our fighter, because I suspected he was the leader of this group. DM. Okay, you two still did not get noticed and have your targets in sight. What do you do? Me. I target the bandit and shoot him with a musket. Bob. You what? Until then I never used the words gun or musket, so maybe he didn't know what I was using. Me. What? Bob. You can't use that kind of weapon. Me. Um. Why? Bob. Because this is a fantasy campaign. There are no muskets in fantasy. Me. What? Of course there are. Bob. No, this is fantasy. DM. There are muskets and firearms. I mentioned that on session zero. Here a discussion took place which lasted a good 10 to 15 minutes. Me and DM were arguing with Bob and the rest of them decided to stay neutral. In general, Bob tried to convince us that there should be no firearms in fantasy. He gave Lord of the Rings as an example, saying it is real fantasy and there are no firearms there. While I cited that even in Critical Role they used firearms. Then Bob said something like, You're not Critical Role, and you are not Matt Mercer, or something like that. Finally, Cleric joined the conversation, 
probably already irritated by this, and pointed out that this universe does not use gunpowder but magic crystals. And if magic is so powerful that you can create fireballs and stuff like that, why can't it be used to push a metal ball through a metal tube at high speed? Thank you, Cleric, for that. I hope you're listening to this. This basically killed the argument, and moments later we got back into the game. Finally, I shot the bandit. I used a violent shot to deal more damage. I used two grid points, C-Link to class, and rolled three D12 plus modifiers. I don't remember how much I did, but the DM said, DM, okay, he's dead. How do you want to kill him? Me, already? Um, okay. I take aim and shoot him right in the side of his head. Bob, WTF? What is this damage? Me, um, I used two of my skills to do this. It's not like I'll do this every turn. The rest of the fight had gone rather smoothly, but Bob mumbled something under his breath every now and then, mostly when I was dealing more damage than him. From that moment on, his character's behavior changed completely, and suddenly he turned from a friend to my rival. He started to get whiny and thought I had stolen his kills every time I killed a low HP enemy. Anyway, we killed all the bandits, got a small reward from the villagers, and went to sleep in the tavern. This is where our first session ended. As far as I know, between sessions, Bob tried to convince the DM to remove firearms from his game. He did it on private chat, but DM took the conversation to group chat so everyone can see it, and said that he won't remove firearms from his game, and if it bothers Bob so much, he can just leave, because no one else has this problem. Session 2 started with Bob sneaking into my room to take my gun. He had high rolls, so I did not wake up. Luckily, there's a rule saying that stealing, breaking, and throwing away other players' stuff is not allowed, so Bob decided to jam my weapon. DM allowed it, but in the last effort to save my gun from this guy, he made him roll to check if he knew how to do it. Bob tried to argue, but DM stated that he had to know how the weapon works to jam it. Lucky Bob rolled not so well, and the only idea his character got was to stick a rock into the barrel. Bob wanted to re-roll this, because we all knew this was stupid, but DM stated that he'll be able to try again the next day. So yeah, my character quickly noticed a rock in the barrel, and removed it, which pissed Bob off. It was actually the only interesting thing that happened this session, besides him complaining every single time I killed someone, or rolled a high damage. Finally, the third and as far last session came. It went pretty well, and there's not much to talk about for most of the session. At the end of that session, our characters were approaching an old fortress in the mountains. It was intended to be an outpost for the bandits, because it turned out those bandits from Season 1 were part of a much larger group, that will for sure seek revenge for their killed friends. We set up a camp on a high ground near Fortress, and decided to wait to attack until early morning. At night, Bob again tried to play with my gun, but this time he rolled badly enough for my character to wake up. I described how he grabs his musket and puts it to Bob's character's neck. I also marked him as my target, to remove disadvantage from attacking targets at close range. We had a short chat in character. It was basically me telling him not to move and stay away from my gun. I was kinda saying it in and out of character, because I was a bit sick of this. Bob tried to describe how his character grabbed the barrel of my gun, and pushed it away from his neck. I pointed out that I was warning him I will shoot him if he moves, and asked DM if I can do that. Dick move, I know, but I just wanted him to stop. DM stated that we will do a dex roll. If Bob wins, he will push my weapon away. However, if I win, I will be able to shoot him as he grabs my gun. I promised Bob that I will use all my points, to put the whole 5d12 plus mod into his character's head. I knew that I had a good chance to down him in one shot, since he had something around 35 max hit points. He backed off. Session ended around an hour later, with our characters approaching the fortress. This week we'll have another session, but I don't really know what Bob is planning to do, and to be honest it's getting kinda boring. I feel like my DM should kick Bob from the game, or at least order him to stop with his anti-firearm behaviors. I can't believe this player is upset that guns exist in a fantasy world. If the world doesn't suit their fantasy, it's time for them to move on. This next problem player takes his in-game issues to the next level. 
My one and only experience with actually playing TTRPGs was when I was a freshman in college. Our group consisted of five people. Dave, DM, myself, Rogue, Paul, Fighter, and the Problem Player, Alex, Wizard, and Bob, Monk. Paul was the only one of us who lived off campus at the time, so we'd usually meet at his house to play. At first, Paul was perfectly fine to play with. Over time, though, he started to do more and more to push the rest of us aside and make himself the center of attention. In the first instant I can think of, we had just found a small lockbox containing the cure to a plague that was affecting a local town. I said I picked the lock, or at least that's what I was about to say. I got as far as, uh, before Paul jumped in with, I smashed the box. Dave asked him if he was sure, and several other players asked him not to. I even told him that I had lockpicks right here, but he was adamant, and so he did succeed in smashing the box, scattering powdered medicine all over the room, ruining it. After that, he began to do more and more to draw attention to himself. Once we were meeting an informant at a tavern. Naturally, the fighter didn't have much to do, so he randomly went over to the biggest, burliest guy in the tavern and tried to pick his pocket. This failed, kicking off a bar brawl and ruining our chance to get information from the informant. Towards the end of the campaign, this would even extend to his IRL behavior. When someone else was narrating what they were doing, he'd randomly interrupt to ask some pointless question, or he'd randomly roll his dice for no reason, or yawn loudly, anything to draw attention to himself. Since Paul was the host, we had agreed from the beginning that the rest of us would take turns providing the snacks. One session, he brought food anyway, just so we could then whine about how much it cost. I don't want to seem ungrateful for free food, especially as a student, but hearing him complain over and over and over again about money, when nobody had asked him to buy anything in the first place, really got tiring after a while. Also, he hadn't told anyone that he was going to do this, so the guy that was supposed to provide food that day, Dave, if I remember right, had already brought food, and so didn't actually save anything through his generosity. It all came to a head at the end of the year. This was going to be our last session for the semester, so we could all concentrate on studying for finals. We were setting up and the conversation mostly revolved around said finals. Alex just casually mentioned that the test he was most concerned about was already behind him. He had been working on his pilot's license and had just taken his check ride and was now a fully licensed private pilot. As you might expect, this completely derailed the conversation. We were all amazed and piled him with questions about being a pilot and flying and planes in general. Well, all of us except Paul, who kept telling us to hurry up and start the game, even though we were still setting up as we were talking. Paul then started regaling us with stories about how his grandfather had been a fighter pilot in World War II, and how he knew a guy that was a pilot for a major airline. When that didn't succeed in taking the attention away from Alex, he told everyone that he'd once been in a major plane crash, and had been lucky to escape with his life. When we all called BS on his story, he just kind of shut down. Didn't say another word beyond the absolute minimum required to actually play the game. Just sat there and sulked. This naturally killed the mood at the table, and we wound up wrapping up early and heading home. Before we left, however, we all asked Alex if he could take us flying. Paul, of course, said he was busy, no matter when we suggested to meet. This actually worked out for us because the place Alex rented from only had two and four-seater planes available, so if it had been all five of us, he would have had to take us up in shifts. Hearing that only made Paul grumpier. Now, to understand this next part, you need to know that the FAA draws a sharp line between flying for fun and flying for profit. With certain exceptions, a private pilot isn't allowed to charge for their services, and in fact must pay their fair share of flying expenses. Of course, back then it would be a lot harder for an ordinary individual to know that. The internet wasn't nearly what it is now, and the FAA didn't routinely publish all its rules on their website like they do today. So the only way to know was if you had read through a physical copy of the rulebook, or if someone had explained it to you. For instance, if you were listening in when a pilot was explaining the rules to some friends that he was planning a pleasure flight with. I'm sure you can see where this is going. Our first week back, Alex told me that he was under investigation by the FAA. Somebody claimed that we had paid him for our little flight. We each had to go to the FAA office and testify that we hadn't paid Alex anything. 
Of course, we all suspected who had done it, but we had no proof. That is, until we found out that Paul had been telling all our circle of friends that Alex had lost his license. Alex said he hadn't told Paul about the investigation, so the only way he'd even suspect that Alex might be in trouble was if he'd been the one to make the false report. This was confirmed when Alex and I, and some other friends, were eating lunch one day, and he walked up, the first time we'd seen him since the end of last semester, and smugly asked Alex what it was like being grounded like the rest of us plebs. We all stopped being Paul's friend, and the FAA would go on to dismiss its case against Alex for a lack of evidence. Well, that person is hot garbage. Can you even imagine being that bitter of a person? Please let us know what you think and comment below. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel, All Things D&D. Our videos are posted every five days, so stay tuned for more amazing Dungeons & Dragons content.